Hey, you're listening to Weekend Mornings with Raji Sohal. And on the show now, I have Claire Newell to talk to us about travel. Hi, Claire. Hi there, Raji. And you know, tomorrow is a very, very big day. November the 8th, the U.S. land border is reopening. A lot of snowboarders probably have their cars all packed up and yeah. ready to go. Yes. Um, so just <laughs> it's just a reminder um, for those who are just going down for, say, short trips, fully vaccinated Canadians will still be required to take a PCR test in order to return ho- home. And this test has to be performed within 72 hours of mm-hmm. either flying or driving back into Canada. And remember, it's that test that, first of all, it's an expensive test. The kind of the cheapest I've been able to see is about $100 US. Okay. And they go up to as much as $199 US. So super expensive. Mm-hmm. If you want to get one that you get the results really fast, in some cases, three, 350 bucks. So make sure that if you are, are going and you're driving, plan that for the return. I do know a lot of people have been writing in to me and asking, can I have a PCR test done here in Canada? And if I'm only going for a short trip, use that same test to come back. Yes, you can, as long as it has not expired. Mm. So it can't be older than 72 hours. So if you're driving down and you're willing to spend the money to have a PCR test to go down and do whatever you need to do in the States, um, obviously not just fill up with gas and buy cheese and come yeah. back. It would be very expensive. Um, but you need to make sure you do that. Uh, I will also remind you, if you are flying to the U.S., you do need a rapid antigen test. And that is just for mainland U.S. Uh, most states that you can do that rapid antigen test, that's sitting between 80 and 100 Canadian dollars. You get the results back. You wait for them 15 to 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Although if you plan on flying to Hawaii, you still have to have a PCR test. It's required. I'll, I'll let you know if that changes because I know that a lot of people here in BC love Hawaii so much um, that it is it is expensive. The other thing, the other reminder, a lot of people still confused about the US CDC has confirmed that it will accept international travelers vaccinated with mixed doses of any FDA or who approved COVID-19 vaccine and of anything um, that has been administered here in Canada, if it's mixed, completely fine. Mm-hmm. I know that's a relief to so many people, including you, right? It is. You know, I was not uh, an AstraZeneca Moderna girl, and mm-hmm. I was so worried because we yeah. only found out just a few weeks ago that it was going to be accepted. And I have a trip uh, planned to go and visit my daughter On the Mm -hmm. weekend, I'm heading down. So when I chat with you next week on the 14th, I'm going to be doing it live from uh, Arizona. Mm -hmm. And I'll let you know how the whole process of travel went on there. Can't wait to hear about that. (laughs) Yeah. One of the things I'm going to be doing, of course, is embracing travel technology. And that's what we're going to talk about today because you have to embrace it for a couple of reasons Mm -hmm. here in Canada already. The Arrive Can app or website has to be used in order to come back. You fill that out about 72 hours before returning back to Canada. Mm -hmm. And of course, proof of vaccination. And this has to be the one that shows the, your legal, full legal name, your date of birth, the type of vaccine, the date you had it, um, all has to be on. So dose one, dose two. Um, but we are, you know, we're starting to have to embrace technology and the pandemic has really changed the way we rely on technology in so many ways, but it's had an immense um, and in some respects irreversible impact on travel. 
Yeah. And I looked at a, a recent survey that was done by travel technology company Amadeus, it's a company that I use in the travel industry all the time. Mm-hmm. But the survey stuck out to me because it found that the increased openness and willingness to embrace digital solutions, as well as share personal health information in order to facilitate travel, is much more than we ever thought. You know, you know, at first, nobody really wanted to. No, nobody likes change. First of all. But 77% are eager to travel and they want to do so in the next year. And 93% are willing to provide their personal data for use of digital health passports or certificates. That's no surprise to me. I thought you know, it would I, be even I, higher I will share. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. I think yeah. at this point people are like, take whatever you want. I need to travel. It's been so long. <laughs> it really has. And then, you know, I sit around at dinner parties, very small ones, and um, maybe eight people, but say four couples getting together. And every single time I'm sitting around the dinner table, it reverts back to where are you wanting to go? Where have you booked anything? Mm-hmm. Where have you been? It's all travel, travel, travel. It, it, and lots of surveys have shown that the one thing that people are looking to most post pandemic is travel. And the reality is, is that it's not going to be the same as it was pre COVID. Mm-hmm. Not free, not even ever. I don't think. And part you of don't it think ever? is this whole tech. I don't think it will ever get quite the same. First of all, technology is being used so much. True, yeah. The other thing is, is that business travel, I don't know whether it will ever get back to pre-pandemic levels simply because the convenience of doing video conferencing, mm-hmm. the, the fact that it costs, like the cost savings, the emissions savings. So mm-hmm. a lot of large companies around the world are taking a look at that and then changing their policy based on that. So I, you know, it's, it might get to, they're saying 40% of what it was pre COVID by the end of this year, mm-hmm. maybe 65 to 75% next year. Wow. So it really has had an impact. Um, but technology and innovation does seem to be key in building traveler confidence and the recovery of the industry. And that's demonstrated by the fact that a more than um, a mere 3% of respondents said no technology would increase their confidence to travel huh. next year. Huh. Yeah. So the top five technologies that would increase confidence in travel in the next 12 months are mobile applications that provide on-trip notifications and alerts. Mm-hmm. So you know what's going on wherever you happen to be going. Self-service check-in. Yes. I've always used that. Yes. Contactless mobile payments like Apple, Google Pay, PayPal. Mm-hmm. which I use, I always use my tap, uh, automated and flexible cancellation policies. I think that goes without saying, sure. actually. <laughs> like I think yeah. It used to be people would take the cheapest flight, yep. even if you couldn't change it. And now more than 75% of people who were surveyed in a study that I looked at said that they will not travel without it being flexible. And that's because, and you and I've talked about this, we talked about it last week. It is the one thing that we know for sure is that Things change so quickly with mm-hmm. respect to COVID-19. You just never know if you if a country will close. Look at what happened a few weeks ago when Hong Kong stopped allowing Air Canada flights for two weeks. So all those people that had plans, you know, they I'm hoping that they had really flexible terms on their flights and could get their money back or change the dates. But those are key things you need to look at. And the other thing is um, the the one other uh, mobile application that people are really looking for are mobile boarding. So just taking your boarding pass on your phone and instead of a paper boarding pass. Yeah. And I'm seeing more and more people do that. Mm-hmm. And 
Um, these are followed by apps to store digital health data on services, different methods of payment such as uh, pay when you fly or vouchers, uh, self-scanning luggage and facial recognition technology. All of these things we started to see um, really kind of come into their own mm-hmm. during this whole pandemic. Claire, so many of these uh, snowboarders that we talk about, for example, people who are older and are going to be traveling, some of them literally do not have smartphones. I know. And uh, they have been writing into me Mm -hmm. um, when they can um, from their iPads or their computers and saying, what do I do? And the good thing is, is that all of the apps that I've talked about also have, well, many of them have uh, a website as well. So Arrive can. Mm-hmm. You can go on your smartphone and have downloaded that app, or you can actually go to the website. Unfortunately, it's a lot more cumbersome to go to the website, print out the documents. You yeah, can't just because those grab a it was designed right? for as an app for a smartphone. Yeah, and I know I might take some some heat for this, Raji, but there is no way that I would ever allow my parents, who are snowbirders, mm-hmm. um, in their my mom's in her early seventies, my dad's in his mid seventies that I would allow them to travel without a smartphone these days. And mm. the reason is I am a firm believer that it is your lifeline. It can keep your contact information for emergencies. It can keep all of your flight details. It can, if you go to Google Translate, it can get you out of a pickle if you can't find somebody who speaks English in the country you happen to be visiting. Yeah. It is just for so many reasons, uh, for a quick currency exchange, if you want to buy something in a store and you have no idea what the currency really, you know, how it really relates and the value of it. It's just so important these days, but more than anything, having a charged cell phone when you are out and about, it's a lifeline. And pre-COVID, it came into its own when I saw in situations, whether it be natural disaster or terrible situations that would happen in destinations, um, you know, when the, the Florida shooting comes to mind with the, the club, mm-hmm. um, the, the the situation in Las Vegas where um, some, a shooter was shooting a, at a, into a concert, like these types of things, cell phones come into their own. So if I would encourage anyone who's listening, if you don't have a smartphone and you plan on travel, consider getting one. If you have someone in your life who's a little bit older and they are snowbirds and they don't have one, maybe that could be one of the best gifts you could ever give them. But I'm a firm believer that it is a necessity when you're traveling these days. Oh, I totally agree. And I think for so many people, there's a bit of a media literacy thing there. They don't know how to use it. But there's um, easy videos to follow online that can teach you that. You can even, um, you know, at the local library, they have uh courses around this free workshops uh, on how to uh, get acquainted with a cell phone. Claire Newell, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you, but I'm afraid that's all the time we have today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will chat with you next week. We've got a weekly gig, so I will see you at our date next week. (laughs) All the best to you. Take care. Thank you.